0: Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelek. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelek.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Eva Medalek, and welcome to today's show. My guest today is Robin Keene. Now, Robin Keane is a speaker, author, podcaster, teacher, and coach. She does it all. She's a mom of four and a former music and dance studio owner and music teacher. She is the founder of Quitting Culture and helps people who are stressed, anxious, over and overwhelmed identify and end outdated commitments, promises, and agreements through her proven processes. The end result, more joy, greater peace, and flow, no matter what the circumstances. And I am super excited for this show today. Welcome to the show, Robin. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks, Eva. I'm delighted to be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. What you talk about and what you do is right up my alley. So tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Who is Robin Keene?
2: Yeah, thank you. When I'm not wearing one of those aforementioned hats, (laughs) Um, I'm a musician. I've always been since I was a little tiny girl. Um, I had my first clock radio my parents gave me when I was four, and I listened to a uh, KF or let's see WLS and super CFL in Chicago. I still remember the call signs, um, rock and roll all the way. So I still love music. Um, I love to dance. I've taught a lot of classes like Zumba for years and I just, I'm in my happy place when I'm moving. So dancing, cycling, um, anything to do with moving and music makes me super happy.
1: So did your kids inherit any of that? Because you've got four of them. I mean, that had to be fun to have a mom that just loved music and dancing around the house.
2: It it was really great. I taught kinder music when they were growing up. And so every one of them was enrolled in, you know, in my studio from the time they were old enough to be enrolled. And they've all had their go at it. I would say two of them in particular still really enjoy making music. I think the rest of them appreciate it. Um, I don't know about the dancing part. My, one of my favorite things to do when they were growing up was like being in, they would be, they were teenagers and we'd be at the mall and we'd go into like Aeropostale or whatever, and they'd have the music on it. And I'd start dancing, humiliated my children, right? One oh my, of my God, but that's your job. That <laughs> was my favorite. That's
1: thing. why you get paid the big bucks to humiliate your children. I keep I telling my children that all the time, you know, yeah. you just, um, reminded me of, uh, brought up a memory of when my children were little and I would put on Broadway show tunes for us to clean the house with. And one of the favorite ones we put on was um, Les Mis and they loved playing, I have two girls, they loved playing the role of Cosette. Uh, and of course, you know, I was the home mama but um anyway <laughs> but we would That's just fine. belt out show tunes while cleaning the bathroom and vacuuming and things like that and that was one way i personally got them interested in well not interested in cleaning but <laughs> my girls can they can sing Beatles songs, they can sing show tunes, and it would, it just made those chores way more fun. So how did you move from music teaching mama to what you do now? Just let us know what are the problems that you are solving for people now?
2: Well, you know, it didn't dawn on me for a long time, Eva, what it meant to be teaching music and running a studio for all those years. I I don't think I recognized some of the skills that I had developed, it was just what I did, right? And about six years ago, an entrepreneur came to me outside of the music and dance. I had kind of moved into the digital world. I sold my studio to my business partner and I started running a mastermind for music studio owners but I got very plugged in um, online, just strangely, how I got so plugged in there. And so people just started coming out of the woodwork and this one gal named joy contacted me and she's like, Hey, uh, I know you and I, I know you could hold me accountable. And so I want to give you a pretty good sum of money every month to hold me accountable. I just need eight minutes of your time on a Monday morning and I've got a goal. And if I don't meet that, I'm going to pay you more money. And I was like, um, Okay, say what? Now? <laughs> I, I, okay, I, That's really interesting. It, it, it was. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't quite get it. Initially, I was like, well, she must just think I could do that because I have four kids. Well, it took <laughs> me a few years to realize, no, what she really saw was that I've been teaching forever for like at that point, 25 years. And that's exactly what you do when you teach music is you've got students that come in and learn from you and you give them something to do in the course of a week and they get it done and they come back a week later at the exact same time. And the first question is, hey, how did your week go? How did you do with your assignment? And they report in and then you congratulate them on the great effort and the time they took and the progress they made. And you reframe anything that they didn't get to and give them their next assignment. That's exactly, exactly what I've been doing for now 30 years. And so when Joy asked me later on, I went, Oh, I get it. Right. She saw that. Um, and so what I, what I have noticed Eva, and I noticed it when I had my music and dance studio, it was quite a busy place. Um, you know, 500 students enrolled most of the year. It was was quite active in a, in a small town. And so, but I got to watch these families grow up in my studio over since from like 1994 was when I first started teaching. Until 2016 or 17, actively in that business. So I watched these kids go from little tiny kids to grown ups and then have their own kids, which is still kind of wild to me. But I definitely saw two different kinds of things happen in my studio. I would have students whose parents really understood what it took to get their student to achieve the goal. And then I, on the flip side, I watched hundreds of families just in and out like water, almost like run in and, you know, puddle here for a while, take a ballet class, take this, and then just go with the flow and flow on out into, you know, talking water analogy, swimming or soccer or a million other things. And, and over time, I noticed the kids who stuck with it and got a result and like they achieved a goal. They learned a skill, they mastered something. Those kids, by the time they were in junior high and high school, thought they could do anything. They believed it because they had mastered something and they had had a routine of and an experience, a a consistent experience of some kind of achievement. As opposed to the other kids whose parents, God bless them. We just don't know when we're parents, we do our very best, but let their kids quit. And start something else and quit and start something else. And I saw that those kids, by the time they were in junior high, those kids didn't think they could do anything.
1: Oh, that's, that's, kids, that's sad. You know, I hear you say that and it makes me feel sad, but I also, you know, can't help but think of all the things those parents probably had going on. Yes. You know, because part of what you talk about is quitting. So how did you transition from music teacher, then uh, a paid accountability person, if you would, yeah. for um, for joy, mm-hmm. to being an expert at helping people, you know, be a part of quitting culture. Mm-hmm. And explain what that is a little bit,
2: too. Sure. Well, in 2016, I decided that uh, one-on-one coaching wasn't sustainable because while I had my studio and my kids, I was being um, asked to coach lots of different people in the music and dance arena and so I finally felt like I kept saying the same thing over and over to people. And I finally went, why don't I just run a mastermind? That's how I got so connected online because I found a guy named Jay Facet, whose brand at the time was Mastermind to Millions. So I learned how to run masterminds. And that running a mastermind for a bunch of music studio owners, I noticed they were up against the same kinds of things in their own life, right? The idea of being over committed trying to do it all, becoming overwhelmed, trying to make everybody in their studio or in their lives because it's all related, business and home, it's all related, right? We do the same kinds of things everywhere. It people pleasing, overdoing, overcommitting, overwhelm, anxiety, um, just this crazy frenetic thing that was going on. and it was the combination of all of that and that really made it crystal clear to me, From all of those experiences, we need to learn how to quit better. We need to learn how to focus on to to explain and know what matters to us. And then, then and only then, I think we can really get focused in on doing those things that support what our goal actually is. But I think that that's not how most of us function, right? Initially, anyway, maybe when we're younger, Um, We're just so busy. Like you said, when you're a parent and you've got kids going in directions and you're going in directions, it's even hard to remember what you said you wanted.
1: And so (laughs) it's so easy. True story. True story. You know, it's just, you know, it's been a while since I had young ones, but yeah, it was managing their schedules, you know, trying to have a life yourself, uh, going to work. And, you know, I only had, I only had two. And I say that, you know, not that two is a, a little number, but... I was on the phone yesterday with a woman with five and I'm like, wow, you guys are superheroes. Anybody with more than two. But I just remember there's Girl Scouts and then there's Girl Scout cookie sales. There's school. There's homework. There's the extracurricular activities. I think my kids were not really sportsmen, but they did tennis and they did. Um, what is it? Little league softball yeah. they had the dance classes on Saturday, like all that was going on. And sometimes they were all in different directions and, you know, it almost makes sense that some of these parents that you talked about earlier were kind of in and out keeping their heads above water. So with your expertise in, um, helping people not only be accountable, but get results mm-hmm. out of, uh, what they are wanting to achieve in life for the people that work with you. I always ask this question of my guests, who mm-hmm. are you absolutely for? Like, yes, I am your person to help you with this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who are you absolutely not for? Like, yeah, no, uh, let me see if I can find someone else to help you.
2: Yeah, I, I am for people who are really committed to having a different experience than they're having right now. So they're having some experience and they're just at the end. They're, they're just like, I am not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna be crazy running in all directions. I don't want that. I don't choose that anymore. I, I want to be more present with the people in my life. I want to be more focused on the things I believe are important to me and not be so distracted by so many things. And there are a lot of people like that, right? Who I'm not for are people who are like, oh, just let me sign up to be busier. I just want to be busier. Oh, my
1: God. Talk about doing more things. We're always... I call it shiny object syndrome or looking for that that silver bullet or that magic bullet or that magic pill, because everything sounds good. And this is going to be the one that that helps me get together. but i I, I love that you really um, distinguish those who are committed to having some kind of different experience, a different result because, Really, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And, you know, it's it's interesting how society and, and coaches and self-help gurus and personal development people and business coaches and everybody has that, you know, more, get this program, buy this thing, take this webinar, you know, take this online course, and we're adding more and more to our plates. But honestly, how many of us, and I'll put myself in there, mm-hmm. have... Thought that that was the next best thing, and then we buy the course or the program, and we're not a hundred percent committed.
2: Well, that's that program. spot on. That's spot on, and that's something I talk about all the time with my clients. Is ninety nine percent committed is much harder than one hundred percent. Wow! You always have that wiggle room. If you're ninety nine percent committed, you can be. You can. Your mind can be changed, right? And then you're always a little bit on the fence about things. But when you are 100% committed, that's like, I'm in no matter what. But just like you said, Eva, 100%. I, I know so many entrepreneurs. I coach for some entrepreneurs. I coach their cohorts. And I just sometimes sit there and shake my head. I'm like, "Don't tell me you bought another course, please don't tell me. Please don't tell me that that person this morning on that master class convinced you this was going to be the bullet, right? It's not. I promise you, it's not the magic bullet." Robin,
1: the struggle is real. I caught myself this morning. I'm just gonna confess to you. I did caught my. I was very close to clicking <laughs> that button, and I was like, okay. "Even no." you are enough. You don't need another guru Mm -hmm. giving you their method. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of us think that we aren't enough, Mm -hmm. you know, that someone else has, I mean, we can learn different things from different people all the time, but there's a level of um, confidence that we lack that Mm -hmm. causes us to keep adding more and more as opposed to, making a decision being committed to making that the right decision and moving forward with the decision that you did make and being committed to making it successful as opposed to well this is moving too slow that's not moving fast enough let me try this one let me try this one let me try this one and ooh that sounds better it's like being at a buffet and everything sounds you know looks good and then you put it all on your plate and there's no way you can consume it all yeah
2: Well, I will say, I think, and I'm right there with you. I've been there, I've been there, I've done all of this same thing. So I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad about what they're doing because I think we've all done it. Yeah. Actually, I believe it's intentionally designed this way. Um, The messages that we receive from others are, I have the answer, but you don't quite, and you really need somebody to give you the answer. And so let me be the one because you don't have the answer, right? There's a crafting of the message that leaves us in a state of a fear of missing out it's designed that way
1: i think fomo is my middle name and it's a constant um the constant heightened awareness the way I, where i get to ask myself questions and you know i give my my clients the same questions to ask of themselves to let them know if this decision that you're about to make or say yes to because we say yes way too often mm-hmm. going to move us closer to our vision goals and values or be a distraction or a competing interest, and that's what we've got to look at when we talk about our time, energy, and effort. So, wow, Robin, you and I literally speak the same language, which is so cool because I could talk about this stuff um, so easily because having been there, done that, and helping people who are struggling with it, is is both of our callings it seems. So mm-hmm. why don't we take a short break and when we come back what I want to talk about is the reason why and I think we touched on it a little bit why most high achievers overcommit in the first place and why it's so hard to back down from those many commitments. So stick with us guys we'll be right back after these short messages. Mm-hmm.
0: stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun. Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedalek.com slash reverseburnout You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most, with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec.
1: Welcome back everyone. I'm here with Robin Keane and we're talking about quitting. Now, I'm sure most everyone has heard the phrase, quitters never win and winners never quit. Mm -hmm. I'm sure (laughs) that comes up a lot with at least the title of your program, Robin. Mm -hmm. And I know you have a different philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, Based on your messaging, that phrase actually sounds toxic. Toxic. Mm -hmm. and it sends a toxic message. Tell us why winners actually need to learn how to quit. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Eva, my parents said that phrase over and over to me when I was growing up. And very much a standard in our home was, if you committed to something, Robin, you're not quitting ever. And I you know, as a kid, I didn't. I mean, I didn't like it all the time. There were times where I really didn't like it. When I, you know, got asked out on a date and I had a babysitting job, I remember one night that specific situation. I <laughs> that you me. for life. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I desperately wanted my mom to fill in, and she's like, uh, "No, I can't <laughs> go on the date." Anyway, um, so I didn't really think that there was anything wrong with it because I just grew up with it, and that was the philosophy that I was, you know, pretty much drilled into my head. However, now that I'm older, and I've raised my four kids, and I look at all the things that I did, I did a lot of things. And you know, I'm really grateful for things that I've outgrown, but at the time served me well, that served me well, I, you know, I finished college in three years, I finished grad school in half the time, I was just like all over it, because I just moved quickly through things I was committed to. However, I look back now, and I think, wow, yeah but how many things did i stay in that were not good for me just because i had adopted this philosophy and held it so closely that i couldn't quit and so i said yes to things that i knew i shouldn't be doing not bad things they just weren't for me nothing illegal just not good for me in some way and I said yes to relationships, you know, friendships or relationships, whatever they were, that were not good for me. I had a job, my first job out of graduate school in California, oh my goodness, I did not belong there. It was, it was really something. And I got out of it, it took me a year to, to quit, but it was very hard to break the mold of winners, don't quit, right? You just don't quit it was very hard for me to, to walk away, but eventually it was inevitable.
1: Yeah. So, you
2: know, I, it just, it just brings to mind um, the movie,
1: the gambler, maybe mm-hmm. nobody's old enough to remember, but there was a song from Kenny Rogers, I think. Yeah. And it's, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away. And I think it's like, know when to run. It is. And, and it really is having that heightened level of um, discernment, if you will, to get out of situations that may not have been the right decision in the first place. You know, some of us, like you said, we stay in relationships too long. We stay in jobs too long. We, um, you know, we say yes to things that aren't aligned Mm -hmm. to um, our vision, values and goals, or maybe we thought were, and then realized they weren't, but we have this, this ingrained, connotation, if you will, of what it means to quit once you committed to stuff. And, you know, and I, for one, I'm kind of on the fence because, you know, with coaching, right, there's a commitment mm-hmm. to working with your coach in, in the program that you signed up for. And I, for one, have, you know, signed up for th- coaches and programs that just weren't a good fit that I thought what was. But because mm. the contract required this commitment to be seen out through the end, you, know, you make the best of it and you, right. um, you make it work the best you can. And yeah. I, I actually hold my clients to that same standard because sure. a lot of times we quit because things may have gotten too difficult. Not that it's not aligned or that it's not going to bring us the transformation that we need. So I want to hear your yeah. thoughts around this.
2: That Those are really great points. And you're right. Like there are times not to quit. So if I've committed to something, if I've committed to working with a coach and I've paid the money um, for me to quit when I. So I guess there's part of that, Eva, I'm just thinking around this whole thing there is, why did I commit to something in the first place? Was I of sound mind, right, when I committed? (laughs) Hopefully I was, hopefully I had thought through, okay, what's this actually going to mean for me to be committed? Do I have the financial resources? Do I have the time and focus energy to put into this thing I committed to? And I think, unfortunately, just you were talking about even this morning, you know, thinking about clicking on something and buying a product or a service, and then you went, wait a minute, right? And I have asked myself, what were you thinking, Robin? You clearly thought it through, but that was kind of a crazy decision. And yet I committed to it. So there's some things like that where I feel like, okay, I committed, I, I paid something financially, I made a decision I thought was best, and now larry wingett who we both know from speak mastermind he says make your decision and then make it right and i think that often that is true and the other piece that fits in here eva is what i've always said to my piano students is never quit in a valley you just don't quit in a valley so what does that mean well any long-term relationship has peaks valleys and plateaus And they last for short medium and long times and it's always changing it's never static it's always dynamic so if we're talking about a piano student and i learned this from the man who created the piano method i teach called simply music and his name is neil moore so this is not my original thought but i learned this from him 20 years ago and it's just it's so true so any long-term relationship you're going to feel that i don't care if it's learning to play an instrument if it's parenting, if it's marriage, if it's a job, it doesn't matter. There we go into it on, on a high, right? We're on a peak. The honeymoon oh, phase, right? It yes. happens in
1: every area of our life.
2: This is gonna be great. This is
1: gonna be fantastic, whether it's the love of your life, whether it's a, a new car or something, a new toy that you bought, or a new hobby you're gonna try out. We 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 start out really high on this honeymoon phase and then we do reality sets
2: in. And then, it, and then it changes. And it doesn't even have to be for a reason, Eva. It doesn't have to be like I don't want to play that song which is really a bad reason to quit taking piano but <laughs> I don't like that song. I've heard that a couple times from adults. I'm like really? Okay. Um, or, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing to put us into uh, onto a plateau or into a valley. It doesn't have to be anything. It can just be the way you woke up that day. But that day when you're in that valley what do you want to do you want to stop doing that thing that you think is bringing you the upset or the disappointment or whatever and i always coach my clients and my students don't quit in a valley like you're not allowed out right now you can't go right now you can go when you are solid and you are in a good place and you are happy and you are fine then if you want to have the quitting conversation with me let's have it but not right now
1: that's a really good point to make because you know, you, I see this in uh, relationships a lot because part of my coaching, you know, inevitably relationships come into it. And, you know, we all have those times with our partners and our spouses where we're like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, wow, how much longer do I have to stay in this? And then there's times where things are great. But I love that concept to never quit in the valley. I actually wrote that down mm-hmm. because, um, yeah. And it's really is asking yourself the, these potent questions, like back to what you referenced before about me about to click on something. I actually leave it up in my browser and I walk away and I think about it and I ask myself questions and I and I look mm-hmm. at the dates. Is it something that'll fit easily into my schedule and not pull time away mm-hmm. from things I'm already committed to that are important to me that serve in moving forward my vision, values, goals, and priorities? Or is it going to be a distraction? Will it add value or will it pull away my focus? But I leave it up there and I do the same thing in other areas of my life. If it's, um, you know, a dress or something that I have to have or a sale, you know, Google, Google, read your mind and these sales will pop up. Like, do I really need another pair of shoes when I'm just sitting behind my desk on zoom all day, but I really want it. All right. Let me leave it up there. Think about it. If I can't get it out of my head, I usually will go with it, but if like, oh, why is this browser open and I've forgotten about it? I'm like, okay, doesn't happen. So we've got to find kind of what works for us, so that we have a discernment as to is this decision going to add value uh, or is it going to take away value from something that I've already committed to?
2: Absolutely, and you know, I th- I think that's really interesting how you will leave it there while you're pondering it. I'll tell you something funny. Um, back in the day before we had cell phones and we would just get, you know, calls on our home phone and we finally got caller ID because my husband was like, if you say yes to one more fireman, I'm, you know, (laughs) you're going to be in so much trouble. And so I, I know I am, I am really um, vulnerable when it comes to, I can be talked into things pretty easily I'm not I don't think I'm like that. But I I can be compelled with by a good reason to do something. So it's not just willy nilly, but it's like, well, don't you want to contribute to the fireman, you know, fund for so and so and I'm like, I know so-and-so. Yes, what's wrong? Yes, I will, right? <laughs> so it, it just takes a little bit of the heartstrings and the convincing, and I'm in. So we got caller ID. That was the reason we got yeah, it. So so Stop answering solicitors, right? I'd be like, oh, it's so a solicitor. Funny.
1: Yeah. So, so I, why, why do you think, though, that, you know, well, I'll, I'll speak to what I know. Like high achievers were notoriously burnt out, mm-hmm. maybe unfulfilled. Overwhelmed, stress, exhaustion, and for us, psychologically, quitting feels like a failure to mm-hmm. a high achiever. Mm-hmm. And so, there's the psychology of quitting, but there's also the psychology of overcommitting. Like, why are we overcommitting in the first place? What's wrong with us?
2: <laughs> well, I have a, I have an interesting question, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, but. I don't see the overcommitting in men as much as I see it in women.
1: I would tend to agree with that. Okay. Okay. And 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 here's why I agree with it. Um, we definitely have a, a root feeling in a in us as women or uh, people who identify as women as not being enough. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep adding more. And more and more and men psychologically
2: don't have that being planted in, in them from an early age. Right. And I and I and I also think that it's um, a gift in some ways of just the difference between men and women, meaning that uh, I've studied a lot of Alison Armstrong's work. And if you don't know who she is, she's remarkable. But she talks about the difference between men and women. And one of the ways she talks about them is that men know who they are from the time they are little. And women do not. We are adaptable, flexible, creative. We have a whole different way of being so that we can accommodate whatever is going on around us. We're much more chameleon-like than a man. Who A man is very single-focused. And I think that's um, both really quite remarkable and I th- think it's a gift that we have that flexibility and that adaptability but i also believe the chameleon part is i can be anything you want me to be mm-hmm. and I so we, a multitasking aspect
1: in that as well yeah. i find that women can multitask a lot easier than men men tend yeah. to get overwhelmed and anxious if you yeah. ask them to concentrate on one, more than one thing at a time i realize you know that in my relationship long time like don't yeah. give him too many things to do at once because that's something's right. not going to be, you know, something's going to fall through the cracks, for lack of a better word. So that's interesting. So, you know, there are men who do overcommit, though.
2: There are. I, I agree there are. But in in my experience, for the most part, it's the women who overcommit because we, I agree with you, Eva, that we we have some sense of we are not yet enough and we need to be more. And so if we just say yes, then we will have done something towards being enough, right? Like I could take this on because that'll, that'll take care of this person. I want to take care of that person. I want to be enough for that person. I want to be enough for my kids. I want to be enough for the, the person down the hall in my office who needs me to do something. And there's, I, I would tend now looking back, I think there's a little martyr in that. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely identify superwoman. with... superwoman. <laughs> yeah, and superwoman. Yeah, and I think there's some ego involved in all of that. Not that any of it's wrong. I just think it's multi-complex. It's not like, it's just these two things. I think it's yeah. a lot of reasons that we overcommit.
1: There's a book called The, Th- the Secret Thoughts of Successful Women by Valerie Young.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that book speaks a lot into why men and women are different when it comes to climbing the ladder of success, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things that won't bother men that they won't worry about, you know, women will keep added, added, adding, adding adding more, adding more, adding more. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a great book to read talking about this, you know, because, you know, everything feels important to a high achiever. It does. And it's really, important for us to get clear to get really clear on what is and isn't what's important now that's why i titled the show that what's important now and really getting clear on what our priorities are so it makes it easier for us mm-hmm. to quit some of the things that don't support really what's important to us and what makes our hearts sing so it's a good time to take a little break now um so when let's talk about when we come back how we can learn to say no. And speaking of women, the guilt that we feel when using the word no, because that weighs heavily on women for sure. I'm not sure how much for men. I doubt it as much because my husband says no to me all the time and doesn't think twice about it, but stick with us guys. We'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following
1: us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com
0: forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it www.evamedelec.com slash quiz Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition not something you have Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now This is the year you can choose to change Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships www.EvaMetalek.com slash reverse burnout. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most, with host Eva Medalek. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5795. That's 866 472 5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medalek.
1: Okay, we're back with Robin King, the maestro of the quitting culture herself. All right. So, Robin, before we went to break, we talked about um, why it's hard to say no, why it's hard to quit. And especially for women, the guilt that we feel a bit. So ending or quitting, if you will, and the act of saying no can leave us feeling incredibly guilty. So how do we say no? How do we quit? How do we end things without feeling like crap like how do we let ourselves off the hook, if you will?
2: Yeah, thank you, Eva. That's a really important distinction for me. Letting myself off the hook is one thing I need to learn how to do. And the other thing is how do I accountably and intentionally quit with other people? And I have found by learning how to do those things, the guilt is not as acute as it is otherwise. So just talking about letting yourself off the hook, What I'm really saying is we commit to things internally ourselves, right? Like it might be a health goal that we have, or it might be a, I don't know, it could be anything that we say, I'm going to do that. Maybe I'm going to get back to painting, or there's something I say I want to do for myself. But as time goes on, I realize I'm not doing it. And so I can either be mad at myself and make myself feel worse by guilting myself for not doing the thing I said I was gonna do, or I can simply tell myself the truth about it and let myself off the hook. So I'll give you a quick example. Calgary, March 12th, 2020, my daughter and I had just landed there to go to a personal development course. She was a sophomore in high school, no, she was a senior in high school, and I was um, on the team for the course she was participating. We land and I get an urgent text message, don't get on the plane, We've just gone into lockdown in Calgary and we just put our feet on the ground. And I was like, oh, what? Like we just landed and nobody was at the hotel and I had to try to figure out how to get home. That night, Ava and I went out and just went to a mall and we went shopping and we bought a bunch of junk food. Well, I hadn't eaten sugar in eight months and I was not eating sugar. And the next morning I woke up and looked at the pillow next to me and there was a bag of caramel M&Ms half eaten. And I was like, what did you do? I ate all those M&Ms, darn it. And I remember in that moment thinking to myself, okay, you have two choices right now. You can either beat yourself up for having gone back to sugar after eight months of no sugar, or you can let yourself off the hook. What do you want to do? Cause you can be nice or you can be mean. And I went, okay. So I literally had a talk with myself and I said, Hey Robin, that was really stressful yesterday and you have every right to do whatever you needed to do to manage the stress. I, you decided I'm talking to myself. You decided to <laughs> eat chocolate and sugar. That's okay. You're off the hook. I, I trust you enough to know that you can make a different decision, and when you're ready, you will. End of end of story. End you know, of if Only we talk to ourselves because you would say that to someone else as
1: well. I know. Right? I know, and we, the language <laughs> we use towards ourselves is not always as kind as the language we use towards our loved ones and our friends and. Our customers and our clients. Right. And I think that would make all the difference in the world if we practice kindness to ourselves. You know, I had a coach years ago that told me, you are so hard on yourself. That's why you're so hard on everyone else. And it was like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> but it was just what I needed to hear mm-hmm. to turn the switch.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, she's right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She's right. I have got to be kinder and mm-hmm. less demanding, if you will, on myself so that I have the skill to be kinder and less demanding on the loved ones around me. That's right. Yeah, that's that's, right. That statement brought me to tears like immediately. Oh, I bet. Holy crap. Oh, I bet. Yeah, but it was the best thing that she could have said because mm-hmm. you you don't want a coach that's going to sugarcoat things for you, you know, and no sugar pun intended, but you really want to, you know, as you'll hear Suzanne, um, one of our coaches say, you know, you can't read the label if you're inside the jar, so you've right. got to trust someone right to, to show you you know what you're showing to the world. that's right. yeah, so that's
2: cool. and and the way we treat ourselves and our self talk um what what's going on in our heads is, yeah, it can be a pretty toxic place if we're just beating ourselves up over, you know, quitting, not quitting, doing, not doing whatever it is. There's always a reason. Um, but I'm trying to eliminate anything that I can control, which is, I ate sugar. Okay, I can make it a big deal and be mad at myself, or I can say, new decision, you'll figure it out. I trust you, right? You'll do it. When it comes to other people though, Eva, that's also can be, it, it can be really tricky, but it can also be absolutely transformational for yourself and for the other person, because rarely do people go do what I'm gonna talk about doing which is cleaning it up or closing the loop or however you want to say it. But um, I am a huge fan of looking at something I no longer want to do because I've just decided it doesn't align with anything else I'm doing. So it could be, it could be selling my studio. That was a big one. I didn't want to do it anymore. took me three years to close the loop, but we finally did. But I just knew this is no longer the right thing for me to do. It could be a million things, but, Basically, what I'm suggesting is that when when you get clear on what needs to end, that you go have a conversation with the person and make it very clear what's happening. Because if you don't, you create what my friend Virginia, when I told her about this, she's like, oh, that's an unspoken broken. You're breaking your promise. You're not saying anything. And now you've got this unspoken broken promise relationship and everybody's left wondering, like, where did she go? What what happened? And so I really prefer if I know I'm not going to do something, if I just, I'm sure, then it's really up to me to come to you and say, hey, Eva, you know, I've noticed that walking with you at 5 a.m. on Tuesday mornings is just, it's really hard for me. And the impact of that is that I don't want to. And then I feel like I'm letting you down but I know if I do, I'm so exhausted by nine, the rest of my day is shot. And so what's that like for you to hear that, right? Just what what's that like for you? You might tell me, you might not, you might be like, oh, I had no idea. Or you might be like, yeah, I kind of figured, doesn't matter what they say, but then you can say, well, you know, I'd like to renegotiate with you. I'd like to come up with a different kind of agreement. Either we don't do it at all, or perhaps we could move it to a, a, a weekend, or perhaps we could do it one evening what would work for you that might work for me can we just figure that out and you might not you might say nothing nothing works and i'll say okay then i just want to let you know i'm not going to be able to do it and it's over we don't have any more conversation and that can happen and you just have to be prepared for that or you might you might say to me wow rob and i kind of wondered and i could just see you dragging like when i saw you last wednesday afternoon you looked wrecked Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for telling me. I don't want to do that to you. So yeah, let's do a week weekend. I can do that. Okay. Or you could suggest something completely different. But the fact that I've come to you to clean it up is rather remarkable. And I have, I have rarely had anybody get mad at me. I've had people mostly be surprised. I've had people mostly say, wow, okay, thank you. I'm really disappointed that you're not going to, but thank you for telling me. And now I'm not wondering. Yeah, that's a great way to break up with anything. You anything.
1: <laughs> when you think about romantic breakups and, and other things is to really not have that unspoken broken, but to be clear. And it, it's really being clear on the boundaries that you need to be successful in your life. That, that's the vision yeah. that I had when you see it like this is not creating a win for me in my day. It's taking away from the wind. It's causing my wagon to be dragging and I'm yeah. not getting as much accomplished. Yeah. And you know one of the things that I always share with 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 my clients that I talk about is that you've got to have this CPR, if you will, be clear, prioritize, and be responsible for setting the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And part of setting the boundaries is communicating those boundaries because mm-hmm. you find that the more you can communicate those boundaries, The more support that you'll have Mm -hmm. in holding those boundaries. Boundaries create safety. And Mm -hmm. I say that, you know, it reminded me when my kids were little and I had a migraine, and I said, Mommy needs it really quiet because she, you know, she has a migraine. She needs to be in her room and quiet. And I guess one daughter was doing something noisy, and the other at the top of her lungs said, Be quiet. Oh, yeah. Which is really sweet, her honoring my boundary, but the whole volume thing didn't really commute right. But That's hilarious, you yeah. know, yeah. Once once you communicate those boundaries, you'll find that you'll have a whole host of support around. You know, look, Robin. You know, if somebody else says, "Oh, I want to walk with Robin at five a.m." Like you know, somebody could hear that. I was like, "Yeah, that's not going to work for Robin. We tried that." <laughs> so right. don't you know? Don't even waste your time going to her about that. So, right. um, you know, right. she she's she needs a little later in the day. So, yeah, being being honest, being speaking your truth, speaking mm-hmm. what's going on for you, I think people will find will garner way more support than not. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what's the first thing that you did when you decided to start quitting, if you will?
2: I think the first thing I decided to do when I wanted to quit was it was really the big studio. That was it, my big studio. Um, We called it the beautiful monster because we had, you know, I had four kids. I worked for Simply Music in Sacramento, so I was commuting a couple times a month to California from Washington. Um, I just, my priorities began to shift and the studio had been my dream. When we moved here to this little tiny town, it was a wasteland for children. And I said, someday I'm gonna have a performing arts school here. And I did, within a year it had started. It was crazy, never in my wildest I think that was gonna happen. But I got, it It was in place. It was operating in the black. It was a beautiful, we had created a beautiful community. And what I now know about myself is I'm a starter. I love new projects. I love to conceive of projects and communities and get them solid and going. And then I like to go, awesome you guys have fun. I'm going to go. There. <laughs> I'll, build, I'll build the plane, you fly it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me. And I had had that from 1994 till 2016. And I was ready to be done. I really was. And so how was- did that you said you, you mentioned that it took you three
1: years, I went through something similar when yeah. I left my profession of dental hygiene. And I kind of was able to go from four days to three days to two days to one day, you know, mm-hmm. kind of weaned myself off of the medication, yeah. if you will, of, of having a a J-O-B um, because it was so much a part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, what,
2: what was the first step for you other than the decision? Thank you. That's a great question. So I had a coach back then, um, a brilliant coach on uh, named Sam Beckford who taught people all over the world how to run really successful dance mostly, but music and dance studios. And uh, he told us when we started, we moved from a smaller studio to much bigger one we rebranded. And he said, um, don't put your names in in the title of your you know, don't call it by your names, give it a name name. So that was the first step, actually, Mm -hmm. of not branding it to me. I mean, I was already thinking that far ahead. But the first step probably, Eva, was to begin to just what you talked about, wean myself, make myself less important in my studio as, as so unimportant that people didn't even know who I was when I walked in eventually. And I did that over the course of three years. So, OK, OK, so the way it is what works. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah. you know, it just brings me to the saying yes and the saying no. Um, mm-hmm. One phrase that keeps coming up for me is every time we say yes, when we really want to say no, it pulls us further away from our goals. It steals mm-hmm. our energy, if you will. And so, um, yeah. yeah, just to, in conclusion, to have those boundaries, be clear, communicate, and, you know, start weaning yourself away from things that uh, you know you want to eventually leave or quit, if you will, mm-hmm. but be very open about the intention. Yeah. You know, for me, I told everybody, even when I quit New York to move to California, I told everybody for a year, I'm leaving, I'm going to California. Mm-hmm. I had never been, but I just knew that that's where I wanted to go. And so yeah. I put it out there and now probably quitting California to go somewhere else, but yeah. we'll see where that ends up. But yeah, with everything you do now, because you're mm-hmm. a busy lady, mm-hmm. and you got a lot of things going on. Yeah. What matters most to you?
2: Well, that's a great question. And uh, I think it has changed for me, although it's probably at my essence too, I think what's most important to me is, um, I mean, it sounds kind of trite, but it really is living, living with freedom and peace. That's really the most important. And I've had, you know, some friends say to me, oh my gosh, like, that's, is that selfish or what? And I'm like, actually, no, because you have no idea what freedom and peace mean to me. So peace is spending time with my grandson, who's eight, my oldest daughter's child, and they live close to me and I'm here so that I can be available to help. And that's peaceful to me, even though it's crazy it's and fun, It's it brings me a lot of peace. Um, freedom, you know, that means that I get to choose how I spend my days. Nobody else is telling me how to spend my days. Nobody's designing my life. I am. I'm designing my life. I get to decide what I say yes to and what I say no to. And This has been a wild year for me, about 15 months of learning how to say no, really over and over again. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you to people, opportunities. I I realize opportunities are everywhere, but wisdom is knowing which one to say yes to and which to say no to.
1: Absolutely. And if mommy's not happy, nobody's
2: happy. (laughs) (laughs) So Robin, how
1: can folks get in touch with you and learn more more about you and the work that you do and possibly help them
2: as well? Learn how to say no and quit. Thank you. Yeah, you can go find me at quittingculture.com. I have a website there with different resources. I'm adding more to it even as we speak. I've got some courses that you can sign up for. um, A really fun one called the Klepto Code that's free right now. It's going to be, um, there's going to be a price tag on it in about a month. So if you want it. Yes. uh, Yeah, uh, quittingculture.com backslash giveaway. Just go grab it while you can. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you you. So thank you so much
1: for sharing the work that you do, sharing all your knowledge with us and to all of our listeners out there. I am so grateful that you chose to listen to my little show today and hopefully you found some value in it. And um, please join us next week. You know, I'm always, it's always my mission to bring in people that will add value to your life and your decisions. And as usual, I would like to leave you with a quote to end the show today. If you don't have the time to do it right, when will you have the time to do it again? And that's a quote from John Wooden. So thank you again, Robin. Thank you to our listeners. And until next time, bye for now.
0: for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec, We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.